Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Praise God. I said praise God. Right, such a joy to see you this evening. Let's get into the word. We started talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And we um, try to examine the concept of Paul's thorn in the flesh. And we were able to come to a conclusion on Sunday that it has been taught that Paul's thorn in the flesh is sickness. But we were able to come to a conclusion on Sunday that it was not sickness. Uh, because number one, God will not send you on an errand and use sickness to keep you humble. God doesn't keep us humble with sickness. He teaches us his word and by the Holy Spirit, the fruit of humility is born within us. And we establish that to interpret that accurately, we have to look at other scriptural renderings where the word turn in the flesh was used. So we used Numbers 33, 55. Joshua chapter 23 verse 13, Judges chapter 2 verse 3, and Second Samuel chapter 2 verse 3, where we established that the word torn in the flesh was an idiomatic expression that referred to people who stood against Paul, who withstood Paul. That if the Bible were to be written in a modern day language, it would be that these people were pain in my neck. Alright? So what he was used as torn in the flesh. Then we also examine the word buffet, or to, when he says, uh, a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me, it, it's the, the Greek lexicon from the number 2,8502. It means to torment or to harass. Okay? To torment or to harass. And then we used other scriptures where the Bible used that word, Mark chapter 4 verse 37, Matthew chapter 26 verse 67. And then I think we looked at the word infirmity. Asthenia, and we said that infirmity does not refer to sickness alone in the scriptures. It's used twice to refer to sickness, First Timothy and Galatians chapter 4. But in other places, it referred to weaknesses. And we give examples like when he said, um, in First Timothy 5.23, it referred to sickness. But we give, uh, then Galatians 4.13, uh, it referred to sickness. But we give examples of when he says, the spirit helpeth our infirmities, Romans chapter 8 verse 26. And what that means is that the Spirit helps our weaknesses. You cannot say the Spirit helps our sickness, helps our weaknesses. Now, accurate Bible interpretation is very important for understanding the Scriptures. And if we want to understand the Bible, we must be diligent to pay attention and to learn. So, uh, that this evening I want to talk on, just try and finish up, when he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Alright? That's what I want to try and establish this evening. What does it mean in the context of our study? When it says, my grace is sufficient for thee. So we'll go back to Second Corinthians chapter 12, which is the key scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7. Now I'm going to use two translations um, side by side. I'm going to use the, the New King James and then the Amplified. So sometimes I'll flip to the Amplified because I just want to get the accurate 
um, a bit of, you know what amplified means, just to expound it a bit. Okay, so Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse um, 7. Second Corinthians 12, 7. It says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan. And we said that word messenger is also translated angelos or angels. Uh, servant speaks of human, not just supernatural beings. Okay? Uh, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, harass me. You can use that. Lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, God speaking to Paul, what does he say? My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, still talking about God, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So it tells us about the grace of God, all right? And it says, now, say, it says, the, for my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, the word grace and the word strength there can be used interchangeably because it's talking about the same thing. So it says, my grace is made perfect. My grace is sufficient for you. This grace I'm talking about is also what? My strength. And this strength is made perfect. Now, the word made perfect there is very, very important. We note that because, um, let's check something here now. The word made perfect in the Greek translation is, it reads this way. My power comes to full strength. Now, the word made perfect doesn't mean that in the midst of your weakness, then that's when God's strength is perfected. No. It's like saying that your weakness reveals the full strength of God. Do, do, you, do you understand it? Do you understand it? It's like saying, um, I'm, not, I'm not a science student, but I remember we used to do this um, titration, um, what's that now? Titration experiment, right? Then there's this stuff you put inside the chemical and then it turns what's that what do you put it indicator okay you put it and then it turns to another color right i think maybe blue okay litmus right i think it's litmus that's what's in my mind now it's like saying that that chemical right is the weakness and then when you hold the litmus paper it is the grace of god okay now, when you put that litmus paper in that chemical, it, it, that's not what makes the litmus paper powerful. The litmus paper, the strength is revealed in that weakness. That means the weakness helps to reveal the strength. It's like if I'm going to fight someone who is weak and I beat the person up, you know, if I were to fight somebody who was strong, you would not know that I'm strong. But if I fight a weak person, then my whole strength is revealed. So it's saying that in the state of my weakness, there you can clearly see that God is powerful. So God is telling him that, listen, the grace that I'm giving you is not going to take away this thorn in the flesh, but the thorn in the flesh is going to form the backdrop that will reveal my strength. That's what God was telling him. Now, I, will, I want to read a translation. It's called the, the NET translation, the NET translation. It says, even because of the extraordinary character of the revelations, 
Therefore, so that I will not become arrogant, a tongue in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to trouble me, so that I will not become arrogant. I asked the Lord three times about this, that it would depart from me, but he said, my grace is enough for you. So the word sufficient there is enough. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So then, I will boast most gladly about my weaknesses. Now, I want you to observe the, the translation, the NET translation. The NET translation says, I would boast about my weaknesses. It didn't use just one weakness. Now, you find that different, you find that different when you read, uh, the, the New King James Version. It says, therefore, most gladly, I'll rather boast in my infirmities. Right? Now, why I want you to note that is that you see that the word infirmities there, put up the New King James on, what I want you to note there is that the word infirmities there was, is, in, is in plural. So, when Paul began to talk about, this is very important, when Paul begins to talk about the grace of God being made perfect in his weaknesses, he wasn't just talking about a specific sickness. He was talking about a series of things that have happened. So it's not just his grace is made perfect in my, um, in my infirmity. No, but infirmities, which is weaknesses, translated as weaknesses. Now this will be important to us as we flip back. In our says, so that the power of Christ may reside in me. Therefore, I am content. I'm using the NET translation. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, with insults, not the plural, with troubles, with persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For whenever I'm weak, then I'm strong. So Paul goes on to list infirmities, insults, troubles and persecutions as the backdrop in which the um, grace of God is revealed. So it wasn't just a particular sickness. Rather, the grace of God is revealed in the stage of Paul's weakness. Now, I read the Amplified Version. Second Corinthians chapter 12. I read the Amplified Version. I read from verse... Uh, from verse 7. The Amplified is usually wrong. And to keep me from being puffed up, too much elated by exceeding greatness, preeminence of these revelations, there was given to me a thorn, a splinter in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to rack and buffet and harass me. To keep me from being excessively exalted. Verse 8. Three times I called upon the Lord and besought him about this. And begged that he might depart from me. Verse 9. But he said to me, my grace, my favor and loving kindness and mercy is enough for you. Sufficient against any danger and enables you to bear the trouble manfully. That's what I like about the Amplified. We tried to get the Amplified today, but... It's like we have to pay for it, so we couldn't get it. Look at what it says. My grace is sufficient against any danger and enables you to bear the trouble manfully. That's what the Amplified says. Okay, it goes on to say, For my strength and power are made perfect, fulfilled and completed, and show themselves most effective in your weakness. That's what I like about the Amplified. He says, my strength and my power are made perfect, fulfilled and completed, and show themselves most effective in your weaknesses. Therefore, I will all the more gladly glory in my weaknesses and infirmities, that the strength and power of Christ the Messiah may rest, yes, may pitch a tent over and dwell upon me. Verse 10. 
So for the sake of Christ, I am well pleased and take pleasure in infirmities, insults, hardships, persecutions, perplexities, and distress. For when I am weak in human strength, then I'm truly strong, able, and powerful in divine strength. That's what I like about the Amplified. Now, it's important that you you get uh, different translations of the Bible. It's very important. Because for some scriptures, when you read other translations, it becomes clearer. Okay? Not, message is good, but not message translation. Okay? Because <laughs> it just takes it to the extreme. Okay? Now, but it's a good translation, but in the context of this study, uh, I'm using the NET, the Amplified, and, and that. So you can see from there that what Paul was talking about is that God's grace is made sufficient, is strong, that when he's weak, when things are against him, the divine power of God is, 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 um, is established. Now, why was Paul writing this? Remember what I told you before. The Bible was not divided into chapters and verses. So that means for us to understand chapter 12, we have to do what? We have to go back to chapter 11. So let's go back to chapter 11 and see the things that Paul was dealing with. Chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. I just want to pick up a couple of verses. It will tell you why Paul was writing this. Let's start from verse 1. We'll skip. Oh, that you will bear with me in a little fully. And indeed, you do bear with me. For I'm jealous for you, only jealous. If I betrayed you to one husband, and I may represent you as a chaste virgin in Christ. Look at what Paul said in verse 8. I wrote other churches taking wages from them to minister to you. Okay? And he was talking about all he had to go through for these people. Now, look at verse 11. Why? Because, okay, let's go back to verse 10. That would be two, please. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Asia. Why? Because I do not love you, God knows. But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which we boast about. Verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Now go on. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. I say again, let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool and that I also may boast a little. Uh, verse 20. For you put up with it. If one brings you into bondage, if one divorces you, if one takes from you, if one exhausts himself, if one strikes you on the face to our shame, I say that we are too weak for that. Now, now, this is very interesting. Follow this conversation. Paul is saying, Paul is writing to the guys in Corinthians and he's saying, hey, these are apostles that come in the name of Christ. They'll divorce from you. They'll manipulate you. They'll do all kinds of things against you. And these are the people you respect. And Paul is saying, we're too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Now, put up that. Put up what I'm reading for me. Second Corinthians 11 verse 22. Now, Paul goes on, so you can understand that what Paul was driving at in, 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 in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is because of the false apostles and the false messengers that he was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 
So he goes on to start boasting about himself. Now look at what he says. Verse 22. 2 Corinthians 11, 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. And more in labors, more abundant. In stripes, more above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In death, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. In night and day I've been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of water. Perils of robbers. Perils of my own countrymen. Perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. Perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil. In sleeplessness often. In hunger and taste. In fastings often. In cold and nakedness. Beside the other things which comes upon me daily. My deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And am I not weak? Who is made to stumble and, and I do not bow with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity, my weaknesses. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. Look, he goes on to describe something in verse 32. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, was guarding the city. Of Davis with a garrison desiring to arrest me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Now, the continue reading, we now go to what chapter 12, verse 1. So you can understand the story that Paul is bringing, why he was now talking about God's strength being made perfect in my weakness. From 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he starts talking to the church about the false apostles and say, hey, when these apostles come, they want to show you what they have. They want to devour you. They want to manipulate you. They want to take advantage of you. He said, but it's looking like we're too weak for that. He said, come on. Now let me tell you what the signs of an apostle is. He begins to talk about all the things he's going through, all the things he's been through just to preach the gospel. And then in chapter 12 verse 1, he now says, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He talks about knowing a man in Christ 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body. He begins to describe that powerful revelation. He now comes to verse 7 and says, for me not to be exalted above measure, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. So what I was trying to say is, listen, if we're to go by this natural criteria, I should be like a super apostle. But you know, all of these things that still happen to me in my state of infirmities and weakness reminds me of my humanity. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Hello, come on, look at me. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like saying you go to a city to preach and then they have to drop you with a basket down from the city wall. If not, the governor is going to kill you. I mean, do you know what it reminds you of? I'm just a human man. Are you following what I'm saying? So Paul is saying, God is not saying, listen, whether you're dropped down in a basket, my grace is sufficient for you. Okay, let me read something to you. Let me read something to you. Go with me to... Let me show you another experience Paul had. Uh, Acts chapter 14, verse 19. Acts chapter 14, verse 19. How many of you think, having gone through all of these things, you will still be able to preach the gospel? Many of us will not. I can bet you. Ah, people are hungry and they don't show up in church. Not to talk of getting hungry and then having to preach. Let's read a story in Acts chapter 14, where you know that the grace of God was sufficient for this man. Verse 19. Acts chapter 14, verse 19. You can use the scriptures. Acts chapter 14, verse 19. 
look at this. We're going to stop at verse 28. Let's read. We have quite a lot of scriptures to read. Are we there? Talk to me, church. Are we there? All right, thank you. Acts chapter 14, verse 19. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came, and having persuaded the multitude, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now, let me pause there to give you a bit of historical background. The Jews, if they were stoning you, there was this stone they used finally to stone you. It's like to certify that you are dead. They would not leave you until you die. It was almost like a, a death penalty. So when they dragged him out of the city, the scripture says, supposing he was dead. That means in their mind, they thought we'll kill this guy. Right? Okay. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up. That's the power of corporate gathering. You know, sometimes most of us don't know that when we come to church and we're in the midst of the brethren, we don't know the power that God releases in our midst. You know, if it were to be our days right now, you know that, oh, they dragged your pastor out, they stoned him to death, and dragged him outside the city gate. What is going to happen? Let's have a committee that will go and approach the king and beg on our behalf. You know, when, when the church becomes powerless, it becomes very political. But the disciples gathered around him. Look at what happened. This is, this is amazing. He rose up and went into the city. And the next day, he departed with Barnabas to Debrae. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, what? This guy just, was just dragged out of the city. Supposing he was dead. You know what, he, you know what he's going to say? If you are married to that kind of man, what are you going to tell him? You're not the only one God called. Relax, take time, take bed rest. You know what happened? The guy went to preach again. And when they had preached the gospel of that city, and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples. Now, the question I want to ask you, who should be strengthening who? From what we just read. Hey, come on, come on, come on, come on. Who do you think should be strengthening who? The disciples should be strengthening Paul. Hello? Hey, come on, this guy just got stoned. The disciples should have been telling him, Paul, it is well, it is well. Ah, look at where they bandage your head. Don't worry, God will see you through. But you know what happens? This guy gets up, goes into the city, converts disciples, and starts strengthening the disciples. What do you think gave Paul the audacity to do this? God's grace was sufficient for him. God's grace was made perfect in his weakness. It's like... In his human state, this is a guy who should give up the ministry. But somehow, he finds that inner power that when he himself needs comfort, to comfort others. You know when I know the grace of God is at work in your life? It's when you're going through the most difficult trials, but you still find an inner strength to bring comfort to others. When you're still Oh, they are not pitying me. Oh, they don't know what I'm going through. Oh, you know my story. You haven't accessed his grace yet. Grace is not just unmerited favor. Grace is the enabling power of God that is made perfect in your own weakness. Look at what, what happened. I like this story. Beautiful story. Strengthening them, exalting them to continue in the faith. What faith is Paul asking them to continue on? The faith that made them to kill him. The faith that made them in 2 Corinthians to drop him from the basket. Look at this. And saying, look at what Paul saying. We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Hey, come on. You know this is not a good message to preach. Imagine if I come in today and say, Hey, pastor, what are you going to talk about? Through many tribulations shall enter the kingdom of God. 
In order to take grace for you to also receive that message. Paul is saying, hey, come on. Trials are going to come, but hey, we will overcome. His grace is going to be made perfect in our own weakness. Look at this. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Paphilia. Now when they preached the word in Pega, they went down to Atelia. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them. And that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. What did they report? They probably report the killing. Hello? Probably report the killing. Paul didn't say, hey, come on, here, story. They stoned me. They stoned me. But thank God. No. He said, listen, God has given us a door to preach to them. He was excited about the door. This is a guy who was just stoned out and left for the dead. What was at work in Paul's life? God's grace was sufficient for him. You know our greatest problem today is that we cannot serve God in the midst of persecution. We cannot serve God in the midst of lack. And unfortunately, we cannot even serve God in the midst of abundance. And what does that show us? We haven't yet allowed the grace of God to be made perfect in our weakness. Look at this man. Just been stoned. And he goes all out to preach. Goes all out to preach. And when it's time to report, he reported all that God had done and how God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Praise God. Oh, this gets me excited. Praise God. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. And see some of the things that Paul had to overcome. I'll read this from the Amplified Version. Philippians chapter 1. I just want to show you in the life of Paul how God's grace was made perfect in his weakness. I'll tell you something, saints. I'll tell you something, saints. In our weakness, if we will lean on God and lean on Christ, his grace will be shown in our life. Hallelujah. His grace will be shown in our life. You know, these days we depend so much on our human strength. Unfortunately, sometimes when you even go to pastors' conferences and they're teaching you how to grow your church, you know, they're going to teach you so many things. Sometimes you might not even hear the word praying and staying with the word. You know why? It looks too weak. To tell you how you do your branding, how you do this, there's nothing wrong with all of that, but it is in the foolishness of God that the grace of God is revealed. Sorry, the foolishness of man. That the grace and the power of God is revealed. Are you there in Philippians chapter 1? We're going to read from verse 12. Look at this. And I like the way Paul says it. We're going to read the story in verse 12. He says, I'm reading the Amplified. Now I want you to know and continue to rest, to rest assured, brethren, that what has happened to me, this imprisonment, I was writing from prison, has actually only served to advance and give a renewed impetus to the spreading of the good news, the gospel. How can Paul write this? He says, my imprisonment has given a renewed impetus to the spread of the gospel. That means in the midst of my imprisonment, grace has been made so available that rather than we feel sorry for ourselves, a new energy to preach the gospel has been given to us. Look at what he says. 
So much this so much is this a fact that throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest here, my imprisonment has become generally known to be in Christ, that I'm a prisoner in his service and for him. Verse 14. And also most of the brethren have derived fresh confidence in the Lord because of my chains. I mean, this is this doesn't sound good. Like your pastor is arrested. <laughs> And you're like, oh wow, we now have more faith. Well, if he's a crazy man, you that will give you more faith. <laughs> but it was a good man. He's like, he's giving me more faith to preach the gospel. His chains, instead of working for his disadvantage, advance the gospel of God. What can we see right there? God's grace is being made perfect in his own weakness. Look at what he goes, goes on to say. And also, most of the brethren... Have derived fresh confidence in the Lord because of my sins. And more bold to speak and publish fearlessly the word of God. Acting with more freedom and indifference to the consequences. Look at this. They were acting with more freedom. And they were indifferent to the consequences. So it is true actually. Preach Christ the Messiah for no better reason. Some, sorry, it is true. Preach Christ for no better reason than out of envy and rivalry party spirit but others are doing so out of a loyal spirit and goodwill the latter pro- proclaim Christ out of love because they recognize and know that I'm providentially put here for the defense of the gospel but the former preach Christ out of a party spirit insincerely out of no pure motive but thinking to annoy me look at that word that's what I'm using the amplified thinking to annoy me supposing they are making my bondage more bitter and my chains more gurning. But what does it matter? So long as either way, whether in pretense for personal ends or in all honesty for the furtherance of the truth, Christ is being proclaimed and in that I now rejoice. Yes, I shall rejoice up to hereafter. Look at Paul's, Paul's record of this. He says some are preaching. You know, it's like uh, they tell us, oh, don't preach again. And then they heard me preaching. Okay, and now the government get a hold of me, and you go on preaching because you know that if you're preaching, you're annoying the government. Okay, so some people went on preaching, some people went on preaching in such a way that they want to annoy the government so that they can keep Paul more in prison. You know, it's possible to do ministry out of strife, it's possible that somebody's preaching and he's preaching out of envy. And that's, I mean, sorry to put this in here, but that's why we copy ourselves a lot as churches. The church is doing 21 days all night. You are scared that if your members, if your members, you don't do all night for your members, they will go there. So you now do 21 days. You see, the proof, this is, this is the way I, I, I think that a minister of God should be. If you are rightly taught, you, you, you should be able to go anywhere. And when you hear the message, you say, this is not the truth. If I am scared that if you go to a church, you will not come back here. There's something is wrong with me. You should be able to listen to a preacher and say, ah, I don't think this is correct. Okay, this is correct. I mean, that's no. Paul says, some are preaching Christ out of envy. But they are not doing it for anything, but they want to just make sure that my chains are more. He said, but I rejoice in this. It is furthering the gospel. What do you think will make a man say this? God's grace is sufficient for him. And I like the way the translation put it. It says they were preaching Christ out of envy to annoy me. That sounds like harassment. Like we're going to preach this thing and we'll keep you in a darker prison. You know, that's a thorn in the flesh. 
Okay, let's read another scripture and see how Paul received this. What have we read now? We read Philippians 1 12, right? Have we read 1 Corinthians 1 18? No? Okay, 1 Corinthians 1 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. Should see how. 1 Corinthians 1 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the dispute of the age? Has God, has not God made the foolish, the, the, has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Now quickly go to verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of this world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to, to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. So Paul is saying here that many who are called are not in the natural the strongest. Even the gospel doesn't look like a very wise thing. It says, but out of that, God's strength is made perfect. Out of these weak people who are not noble, who are not, you know, and somehow that's why sometimes if you're not a spiritual person, um, a humble person, you will not be able to discern and understand and receive with honor the ministers that God has brought to you. And the reason is because in their humanity, they might look very weak. But in that humanity is what? Is the grace of God made perfect, completed, bring to a completion. Are you following that now? So you must understand that even in your own life, this is not about ministry, even in your own life, in your state of weakness, if you would lean on Christ, His grace will be sufficient for you. In your state of weakness, if you would lean on Christ, His grace will be sufficient for you. Let's do a couple of more scriptures. Have we done 2 Corinthians chapter 3 yet? 2 Corinthians 3, 4 to 6. What have we been reading? Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 4 to 6. Let's do this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 4 to 6. And we have such trust through Christ towards God. Verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. He says we do not have a sufficiency of ourselves. So you see when Paul was talking about God's grace being made perfect in our weakness. He was talking about all the natural factors. That could stop him from preaching the gospel. All the natural factors. That could stop him from preaching the gospel. 
But that despite these natural factors, the gospel was still advancing. That it could only be the grace of God. Let's go to... Uh, have we done First Corinthians 15? No, not yet. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 30 to 33, talks about wrestling with the beast of Ephesus. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 30 to 33. First Corinthians 15, 30 to 33. Thank you, Father. Verse 31. I, I affirm by the Boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord are thy daily. Verse 32. If in the manner of men I have fought with the beast at Ephesus. And what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? Let us drink. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good habits. I wait to righteousness and do not sin. Now, this is what you now understand by contextual reading of scriptures. When we talk about evil communication corrupting uh, good habits... Paul was not just saying it because of our daily life. He was talking about the wrong theology that the other people were teaching. That's the context of that scripture. He's not saying that if you, if somebody gossips and it becomes your friend, you will not learn to gossip. It's true. But that's not, Paul was not thinking of that when he wrote this. What Paul was th- talking about were those who were, if you read from, go just go home and study it. They were preaching a certain kind of doctrine. And Paul says, I had to wrestle with them. I had to, wrestling with them now he uses the word the beast of ephesus remember what we talked about interpreting scripture with scripture let's we'll come back to first corinthians um 15 let's go to second peter 2 12 or just put it up there keep your place in first corinthians just put up for me second peter chapter 2 verse 12 and i'll show you something there second peter chapter 2 and verse 12 second peter 2 12 second peter 2 12 but these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption. Go to verse 11. Let's start from verse 11. Verse 11. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reveling accuser, um, ac- accusation against them before the Lord. So it was referring to a certain group of people. Let's not just go there so it doesn't take us off. But he referred to them as brute beasts. That means he was referring to people. So he says, I wrestled with the beast in Ephesus. So what was Paul talking about? Obviously he wasn't fighting with animals in Ephesus. He was talking about the people that were bringing false doctrine. Now, Ephesus had, it was like the center of magic. So there were a lot of magicians. I, th- I, I think I talked about this when I talked about um, the whole armor of God. When he says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's why, that's why he wrote that to the, to the church in, um, in, in Ephesus. They had a whole lot of magicians. They had a whole lot of mystery cults. that were so much in Ephesus. And these people were stopping the propagation of the gospel. So we find out that the key is to realize that Christ's strength is independent of our weakness. The strength of God being made perfect in our weakness is that Christ strengthens us to be able to advance regardless of the weaknesses that we have. And I want to clarify this. Although it's part of it, but I want to clarify this. The weaknesses in this context is not talking about sin. The weaknesses in this context is talking about the physical uh, things Paul had to go through that were opposing the gospel. The people that were fighting Paul, 
the people that were uh, 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 taking advantage of his imprisonment to try and stop him from preaching the gospel. And Paul says, in the midst of all this, God's grace is made perfect in my weakness. Let's go back to Second Corinthians chapter twelve, and then we'll close. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Regardless of the opposition, that's why I'll I'll tell you this. I'm never afraid that people can stop the preaching of the gospel. People have tried a long time. They keep trying, but nobody can stop the preaching of the gospel. You know why? Because in the midst of our weaknesses, God's grace is made strong. So we must learn to lean on Christ. We must learn to lean on Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 12. I'll just read this again. Verse 9. Amplified. But he said to me, My grace, my favor, and loving kindness and mercy is enough for you. Sufficient against any danger. And enables you to bear the trouble manfully. For my strength and power are made perfect, fulfilled, and completed. And show themselves most effective in your weakness. God's power in your weakest hour, will show himself most effective. Can I give you a practical example? Peter. Peter denied Jesus. Right? Denied Jesus. Say, I don't know him. But on the day of Pentecost, who preached about Jesus? Peter. 3,000 people came to Christ. How did they do that? God's grace was made perfect in his weakness. Now sometimes we approach You know I've even seen that in the life of ministers They approach ministry with so much of human strength I've seen that If we do this and do this And do this we'll take the city Ten years time They have still not taken it And you see the most lowly of men The most humble of men And the Lord gives them the city Because in our own weakness His grace made perfect. I want to tell you today also for your own life that it doesn't matter the challenge you're going through. In the midst of that challenge God's grace is made perfect. So what do you do? You lean on the grace of God. You lean on the grace of God. Don't lean in your own human understanding. Lean on His grace. In the midst of that His grace is made perfect in our weakness. Hallelujah. Let's just lift up our voice and just thank the Lord. Let's thank Him for His grace. Oh, hallelujah, Father, we thank You. Oh, we thank You, Father, we thank You. Oh, we thank You, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Lunda pradisa frondo sitelemende ke sufraninda hasuseneme liga hastelemende prahado sufraninda sala hastelemende bosulu ferenide sakledo hodo brananisa I just I just hear this thing in my spirit just take it a little bit I hear this thing in my spirit about someone going through uh you like in a confused moment and you need to make very critical decisions about your life you're like almost like at the crossroads you need to make very serious decisions about your life. But I hear the word of the Lord and say, lean on me. For my grace is made perfect in your weakness. Don't try to take your life uh, in your own hands. Don't try to direct your life. Don't try to 
force things to happen. Lean on my grace. Thank you, Father. Lean on my grace. Don't make decisions just by the hearing of the of the ears. Thank you, Father. Oh, Ratosh Father, I pray for clarity in the name of Jesus. I ask for clarity of hearts, clarity of mind, clarity of perspective. Let there be a flow of grace. Father, let there be a flow of grace right now in every area of weakness in your people. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you. You don't have to show your strength. The Lord says that. You don't have to show your strength. Lean on me. Don't get into those battles. Don't get into those battles. Pull back. Lean on me. In the midst of your weakness, I'll show forth my strength. Thank you, Lord. Hello, Stenengishta. In the midst of your weakness, I'll show forth my strength. Oh, Jesus. In the midst of your weakness, I'll show forth my strength. Lord, we receive that divine enablement right now tonight. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.